fine. It's fine. Yeah. Good. It's a bit hot, no? <laughs> it is, but, you know, we're rule abiders. Yeah. Rule abiders. Aren't we? So, yeah, I mean, um, so thanks for inviting me to join the podcast. Yes. You you were asking the original reason? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, Olga, the podcast was essentially your idea, the rights of others. And mm-hmm. uh, I know that you, there was a particular reason why you wanted to have the podcast and and I'm curious like has it I mean there were yeah there was a purpose with students you know you had spoken about that inspiring students maybe showing them how they can engage with this work and I know in our discussion I was saying oh it'd be great to make listeners become activists in themselves and take a position on you know what we call corporate accountability issues or accountability corporate justice related issues I mean what do you feel like with season one we've we've kind of moving towards that objective yeah, it's interesting because um, originally the idea was much more of a, a kind of exercise for the students and kind of a, a bit of uh, myself experimenting with talking to my friends, really, in a way, to the people who I knew that were um, doing this kind of, you know, made the, the defense of uh, human rights their job. But it's very interesting because, uh, well, Rasa and I had already had several conversations about this, not just in front of the microphones, but also when he would pop down because I I kept on not answering his emails and he just had to go into my room <laughs> to say, hey, and then he will stay for an hour and we'll chat. And then I never answer anybody else's emails because I was having a really cool conversation with Rasa. But um, so we had talk about this. I felt very comfortable talking to him. And then, Sima, you were my first guest. Uh, the way that we wanted to, to do this was, and I would interview really interesting people. And then suddenly, the conversation with you and the, the kind of the way the uh, my own thinking started shaping by talking to you, which I talked to you a lot, but never we never uh, kind of sit down to talk about corporate accountability unless we. <laughs> we we sit down in front of the microphones, even though we do talk about corporate accountability yeah, after yoga and things like that. But um, we forget to record those conversations. Yeah, we, we never do. <laughs> but um, you know, I was thinking this actually is helping me understand the, the what it means to be an activist or a professional of human rights work, but also what it is that corporate accountability, corporate justice, the movement, the advances. The legal system. What what is it? So yeah, I'm very happy you came on board, and that you are a co-host. Thank you. And now it's the three of us, which I think yeah, it's really we we learn a lot from each other. I think. So you were saying that the conversation is like maybe at times moving at one spot or another. Have you found like some trend? Um, yeah, the, a very good. That's very good thinking about that because I think. Uh, uh, you know, corporate accountability and corporate justice is, we could make it into a general thing in which we would all understand it. But I think at some point we make it into very complex conversations, which is obviously the people that we talk to are quite specialized and are doing quite, you know, detailed work and, and super important work. But I'm, I am a bit worried that we're making it highly mm. um, kind of... Uh, Interesting for us, the people were very involved and not as uh, much accessible to others. So in terms of um, trends, I like to start with the personal trends, I think. Hmm. I can see this trend in which everybody has 
some kind of awareness, of social awareness, awareness of injustice from childhood. Everyone seems to point that out hmm. and having wanting, feeling this need of wanting to do something to change their reality. So that's the first trend that I would say all our speakers actually showed. Yeah. I, I actually want, on this point, I want to ask both both of you what you were saying. I mean, it's at, like I had this, I was thinking how, I don't know where to fall on this one. So I want to like really get your opinion on this, which is that, um, yes, it is a bit of, like it could be a bit niche, like really, of course, because it's very specialized anyway. Now, how we maintain the quirkiness and the speciality aspect of it, where the conversation is not like bogged down by thinking that, oh, people, you know, it's getting way too complicated, but also we have to somehow flow in a way which is enough engaging. So I actually was thinking there's, this is what I've, you know, in my mind, sometimes this is what happens. And I think I call it like a, a pull, tug and pull towards structurizing it mm-hmm. and a conversational flow. As an academic mind, when I'm like writing things, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I feel like we sometimes want to make it more structured. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's the, the, that's the link. You know, when it's too structured sometimes, it is very specialized. But it is fine. But also, you know, the balance of keeping it like this. We didn't talk we, like right now. We haven't really know what are we going to yeah, talk we're about. We're absolutely not in script yeah, exactly. today. <laughs> exactly. So, so this is a very conversational style. It's like put you on the spot. But I think like there has to be some balance. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, one of the the objectives, the purpose of the podcast is because it is a comp- because if you want to use the framing corporate accountability or corporate justice, as I think a lot of people are sort of moving towards uh, this day, these days, I mean, it is a niche area of work and it is an area that, you know, as we discussed during the episodes that because by virtue, it's like you've got, you know, opposing opposing um factions right you know it's not pure human it is human rights but it's not pure human rights because you're it's not a dictator who's basically causing the abuses it's a company you know and companies are complex they're they're created they're (laughs) they're created by law and so there's a, a knowledge you need there right to really understand how how to affect change in a company and then of course the only a lot of a lot of us have come to the conclusion that well the law is a really important way to do that so then that brings us other complicated element to it because now you're talking uh, like the impacts are the most what people I think relate to and then you have the part about the company so you need to kind of explain that dimension and then the relevance of law right and basically being the solution not the only solution but the solution so for me like a big part of this is actually it's you know the ability to we should be able to maybe translate it Hmm. you know because these issues they're happening they're really detrimental, whether we look at like the climate issues that are going on now, we look at crisis, conflict areas, you know, all this stuff. But somehow, you know, it's the communication of how we do this that somehow we've not quite hit it, you know, how we communicate it to the broader, the broader piece. I actually did try to ask with people, and I think this is a good spot if anyone who's listening, please send us feedback on to what kind of styles would you prefer or what <clears throat> styles are better 
for different kind of topics, probably. So please send us the feedback. Yes, you can send us the feedback at contact at bhre.org. BHRE stands for Business, Human Rights and the Environment. Perfect. So, I mean, this is this is exactly like the pull of... We, I, I also find myself like structurizing it a little bit. It's very important to have a structure. But this is the conversation I had with some people. They notice that maybe over time, some conversations are too structured and yeah. some conversations are... Well, that's how it is. Like converse, And I think that we can't, with this one especially, we can't be like just show up and be like, let's have a conversation. Yeah. That would not some work. Some people will be more comfortable and some others yeah. less. The, the yeah. people that have yeah. asked for, send me the questions in advance. Mm, I think okay. one of our best episodes was with Megna. Megna, we had such a good time. Mm. It was our first lockdown episode. Yeah. So we were, we didn't know yeah. what we were doing sure in a way works. because the bandwidth went off Then she had to move <laughs> from the kitchen to a, a, a sofa, etc. But um, But I think it really did flow, among other things, is because uh, she was telling us things we didn't know. She was telling, she was making reflections over things. It was quite early on in the pandemic, and she talked about the impact of COVID. So it's genuinely mm. not us trying to explain to the public what mandatory human rights indulgence is. It was about the three of mm. us engaging in a conversation with her and learning about what uh, and listening to mm. her thoughts. Her thoughts were very important. She was equipped to analyze the situation that was happening from a, a corporate justice point of view. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, Meghna is fantastic. And then, you know, if I think about Amol, who we had on following uh, Meghna and who's coming now, who has occupied different positions in this space as someone who tried to work as an... NGO activist and now someone who's really on the more um, sort of money providing side. You know, if I think about the conversation, you know, it came out to to me in the conversation, you know, it very much reflected the fact that we are also trying to figure out, like, you know, how to get impact in this work. Right. And how to actually also have an equitable lens when we're doing this work. And it's not an old area of work. The issues are old, like companies being involved in harm. But I think the solution part is really something that is still very much, you know, on the on the table. Like we're still getting there, and and I think that's clear by the fact that we haven't stopped the issues in this space. But yeah, I think, you know, I thought it was I thought he came at it quite honestly, like how mm-hmm. how actually, and also exposed there could be more than one perspective because I know we, <laughs> you know, he was trying to take a funder perspective, you know, which which was. Um, kind of in his way of engaging with companies, which is something we don't really necessarily like to focus on. So it was it was good that that came out. And yeah, I mean, I think with Dan, you know, Dan Leader, with the with the the legal case, hmm. really interesting. I mean, so I actually feel pretty good about the season. Season one, and I feel I feel like the structure. I think it's good. I think we're getting better at adapting as to our speaker when our speaker is going a little bit you know, kind of not maybe, I don't want to say going off piece, but, you know, is getting a bit caught up, you know, in a response. Maybe it's just part of the, how you come in to, to make something, um, yeah, to re- reorientate the speaker. I mean, maybe that's some of it. Um, yeah, but I think that with the structure and I, it's a question I want to, you know, we never ask, we kind of talk about the area of work, we talk about the individual, but I wonder as we're talking whether or not when you talk about the how more, 
but how mm -hmm. not how you get the change but how do you do this work mm -hmm. yeah i think that's very interesting because i think that was one of the questions to, to dan uh, which i really wanted to explore and we maybe didn't have uh, enough time or maybe you know lawyers in general uh this this answer for them is very straightforward. No? It's like, how do you choose a case or how do you choose to settle a case? And obviously lawyers do have an obligation, which is their own legal and professional obligation with their clients to always um, uh, you know, the ad advice in the best interest and cannot take any um, decision that would actually jeopardize their client's best interest. And in the case of settling a big case, the best interest is to get the, the um, in this case, the remedy or the retribution, and they cannot advise anything else. So, but I wanted to explore a bit more, like, the how as well, in, from a personal perspective, like how, how does this make you feel as well as a professional that these are the rules in which you, you the rules are very constraining and these mm. are the rules in which you have to act. It's the same way as uh, someone in a, in a in a company, for example, if they have to take an investment decision that um, may have some kind of response, uh, impact over um, uh, a community, for example, how do you take that decision? And and not just within the constraints of your professional rules, how do you take it as a human being? So I think that that's probably one of the things that we can explore yes. a bit more. Hmm. Yeah. There's there's one more thing. Uh, and I, I, like in the first episode, we said that, okay, we would try to represent this part of the conversation and we try to be not biased but it's impossible but by being human. We have to prefer one thing or another. It's just impossible yeah. to be, I don't know, Buddha or yeah. <laughs> whatever that thing is. But uh, <clears throat> how do we address um, our own structures of um, somehow whatever ideology or biases we have? Because... I mean, we are talking about definitely the conversation about the companies and the impact, market, human life. Although I'm trying to now just be like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say devil's advocate, but want to actively try to bring the other voice. So to make it, you know, the show a bit more... Um, like not straw manning, let's say, the arguments. So that's why, so that the legitimacy of what we are saying is more clear rather than someone dismissing it saying, it's like, yeah, it's of course they have yeah, studied yeah. it. It's their structure system. They all talk about this and they only invite people who agree to them pretty yeah. much in some way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I want to, like, I wanted to know that how there are, so listening to all of this, mm -hmm. Um, there are certain like rules, let's say, or structures, which are really common, which we would hear on, you know, but I think there's an added layer of right and wrong sometimes on it. Uh, so how, like, how do we address, you know, there's yeah, an effective way of doing things, but then there's an added layer of, you know, like human self of right and wrong. So wanna, two two things I want to unpick from that. Uh, the first thing is this uh, right and wrong, and it has a lot to do with the way I I was very resistant to uh, portray myself as an activist from the beginning. I I wanted to 
make sure that I uh, that we're not creating um, a space where we are talking as the writers, as the people who have the moral authority, because we know, because we've researched and we've we've uh, known for many years what are the wrongs that corporations do and how that affects lives, livelihoods, the planet, and you know survival of communities and and ourselves, but. So we we know that, but I don't I didn't want to place myself from the kind of moral authority, higher authority. So that's one that's one of the things. So I think it's important for us to think whether this space is a critical space or is a, a patting ourselves in the back space. And I think we we went through that a little bit with our episode with Gemma Friedman and um, uh, who is uh, the trade union uh, representative, because we, uh, you know, you don't, you of course don't want to uh, challenge your guests, but at some point all of us had some kind of uh, 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 understanding that unions may have problems uh, as well and may not be the democratic institutions that, uh, um, of course, someone who works inside and who has done so much work for uh, the rights of workers would would need to portray them. So I think we did go a little bit through that. And I think it's interesting for us to reflect whether, you know, challenging the guests is the the right way because we're creating the critical space. Yeah. But on the other hand, not challenging the guests is just giving a microphone for mm-hmm. free yeah. to anyone. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think that, you know, actually it was Amol who made the point about you were providing a platform, right? And actually yeah. we should be able to choose who we want to provide that platform to. So, I mean, for me, I actually, Olga, you got a really good point. I mean, so I, I don't think that we need to come at it in a totally sort of um, BBC style. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> you know, yes, like kind of, measured. You know, we are at a moment in time, you know, where it, it's pretty much there's like a year. I mean, the UN what, Working Group on Business and Human Rights, 10 years since the guiding principles, you know, which is this only framework that we have at a global level to basically try to tackle this corporate Whether we like it or not. Yeah, issues. But I just think we don't need to prove the problem. The problem is there. You know, the problem is actually, you know, it's it's what we could argue and be critical about is within this continued discussion is, but why haven't we solved the problem? You know, and, you know, there are sometimes we get a little bit of a solution. We get a bit of a win, you know, and there seems to be arguably a growing momentum to whims, wins or arguably not. But something there's something more that we could do as a group as a movement to actually get the wins so i i think that's a good critical type of discussion that we should have i think you know the effectiveness of let's say ngos in this space interesting discussion and perhaps one that needs to be had you know because that's you know i think it's in our it is in our interest that we want salute we want to expose the facts which is why we you know invite people here we want to explore solutions because we want to end. We want to effectively address the human rights issue and the environmental issue, or what it is. So, I mean, I, I agree. And Olga, for, to the guests, <laughs> I think it. You know, perhaps you know, change makers can be, of course, representatives of unions. People who work in unions could be an investor. You know, it could be you know a small company operator. I definitely believe that. Um, and maybe we should have, you know, try to find like, listen, if someone on the investment lens or someone from the company lens, but I think we need to be pretty honest up front that they're really, really willing to have an honest conversation 
Because for me, the main value of the podcast is an honest conversation, you know, about this. And, and it worries me if we if we feel we're not having an honest conversation. Yeah, Rosa, um, I'm interested as well to see because obviously Seema and I are, are so close to the issue in terms of um, of the kind of the policy priorities, the academic priorities and all that and the legal uh, constraints, etc. So someone who's who's really, you know, very attuned and, and sensitive to the um, uh, issue, but it's maybe less academic or less professionalized than this. How do you find the conversations do you find that um you're learning or do you have a, a space yourself to uh, enter into uh the debate or, or shape the debate does that worry me that sometimes seem and i may get a bit technical and we we're not giving any space for anyone else to go in because we're using this kind of background knowledge of a process or terminology etc yeah i i no i think um the space is there definitely for sure there's no doubt about it for the perspective someone who is not very specialized and yeah the point i think is to make certain conversation more emotional humanized connected to the feeling that just makes what technicality is uh to what the general life would actually the translation of that technicality into general life. That's how scientists communicate sometimes. The better scientists communicate, they say, okay, yeah, stars and yeah, it's it's fantastic, but this is how it connects to us and our existence and feeling. So that definitely is there. Um, I, I And I think the, according to what I was he hearing from people who I want, who I listen, and of course, it's a very specific audience. I think who's your audience, Raza? Oh, Do you it's just uh, students here. Students, okay. Yeah, yeah it's just students important. here. Well, yeah, young yeah. people, students. Yeah. Some people of my like my friends, thirties, twenties. But interesting because if it's young people, why are we talking to old people? And I mean that that by that I mean uh, mostly Sima and I in terms of like you're very young, Raza. But <laughs> Sima and I are, are I think one generation ahead of you maybe or, or I don't know. Generations. Depending yourself. on how you how you define generations, <laughs> but anyway, we're a bit older. Let's just say that. No, but I'm thinking I'm thinking because this um, uh, the conversation we had with our um, with uh, Delara and Jalen was very interesting because it was very revealing at some times when you said one of the questions that we ask is that you consider yourself an activist and they do consider themselves an activist among other things because they post in social media and because you know they conscientiate they try to it's not just but then telling their their friends what the impact of fashion may be but they also uh, post it and reach this way and the other and you know if we don't talk to uh, the people who are actually now uh, starting to understand how to uh, That was the the level of their influence, and actually, they probably understand it much better than we do. How far the influence goes because they have numbers for that, which is how many followers on Instagram you have, for example. I think you know I love obviously talking to uh, our guests, but all our guests are our are people that started their journey with us. I think we need to reach out to people who are starting their journey now or are just early in their journey. I, well. I can't say from the people I talked to that they were truly thankful for people who have been leading the life and have actually carved a path 
and have some wisdom you know we the role of elders in our society is like dire right now mm-hmm. it's very confusing what issues are definitely we don't need old values which are very stuck but we need elders definitely young generation interesting and i'm just saying about the people who i have talked to and they can like write a, write to us that they are they are grateful for being able to share this yeah. thing so please i mean this i think this is like that's definitely okay, needed can, can we yeah, see my being aunties I think oh, if I think of myself I, an elder, I'm going to accept that because, I am, am Roz's auntie. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I, you know, if My I think of an elder, come. for example, uh, and I, I really hope she's not offended, not not that she is listening at this moment. Who knows? Maybe she is. Uh, Mary Robinson is an elder in terms of uh, you know of our um, work and our objectives, and and uh, she has a podcast herself called mm. Mothers of Invention, nice. and it's great. And listening to that, and I think that's the kind of the kind of uh, model that you actually you pointed out. Uh, yeah, I, I I think Mary Robinson's like 20 years older than you and yeah, I, Seema. Yeah. So but I, I think hopefully. <laughs> I think you and I are more, what we have, what I feel what we bring to the table is that, yeah, we we actually are, I would say we're elders, but I don't mind it. But I think we're experts in this area because yes. we've been working in it for a period of time. Yeah. And, but I think we're also women. 20 years I think in my we're case. also, you know, really reflect a bridge in time because I don't think we are old school. We may not have, uh, you know, the most, um, recent uh you know what's the new not the twitter but the new handle not not instagram uh, not instagram snapchat there's snapchat or there's tiktok another, tiktok uh-huh. <laughs> so Jesus. you know tiktok is something that's now like the way, elders have to the elders, no. so i mean but i think that you know what i always feel concerned about this work is that actually and it's really nice to hear what Raza, what you said is, is that actually we can't just keep starting over and over again the same approaches yeah. the same discussions we really need to learn from what's been done and move forward you know and i think that that's you know so at the same time i actually think we should invite if mary robinson wants to come it would be a fabulous oh, thing to have her on because come. we don't want to move you know i'm just so worried we're just yeah. we're slipping on the agenda yeah i think uh, this, this is a very important point i think for the uh, business and human rights agenda actually because it, it, it you know it was very young when it started because you know the seema and i started uh, 20 years ago and we were some of the first ones uh, doing this work at the time specifically related to corporate liability and corporate accountability of course there were lots of work done on economic social and cultural rights there were a lot of done on on international trade and um, uh, development etc but this specific accountability um, was now called business and human rights. We were quite young when we started. So we've all evolved. And then you go to some of these conferences, especially in conferences, and I'm sure in the policy space and advocacy space happens too. And you see this uh, people who are the same age that you were when we started, 20 years uh, younger, talking about the same things. Yeah. I am hearing of the, um, uh, you know, the merits of voluntary versus binding approaches. Yeah. I am hearing corporate social responsibility, which is now called uh, a responsible business conduct, right. over and over again. And it's like that. Mm-hmm. I was 20 years younger when we were talking about. Binding versus voluntary, for example. So uh, (laughs) this is what I think reinventing the wheel means because I think many of us uh, have moved to a very specialized space 
and we're probably not so much in the generalized yeah, space right. anymore. Yeah. So this generalized space is is taken over by people who are not being in this uh, in this uh, process, and w- we might be. Yeah. Talking about the same thing. I I thought that C- CSR was CSV. CSV, <laughs> yeah. Creating shared value. Creating shared value. That that changed when I was working in corporate affairs department. That was like a definition done by Harvard. Creating yeah. shared value. Yeah. Oh, Harvard loves <laughs> well, giving yeah. tax and uh, <laughs> marketing. I mean, I I feel like an instrument begins to own the language again. You know, we yeah. went from corporate accountability or let's say uh, commerce and crime conflict and you know some really yeah. hard language yeah you know to then it became business and human rights yeah. and now you're saying it's responsible business it's just like how much do, are we were giving up so much ownership of this space yeah. in an effort to bring corporates on board you know which of course we need a change in corporate practice and culture but you know i yeah i mean even how we're even Phrasing this work actually yeah, well, is something that we should be considering. How about forced labor and human trafficking turned into modern slavery, which isn't yeah. a legal term and has no convention yeah. that forbids it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we are, we keep on doing this, and I think it's to do with uh, yeah, no, uh, well, there's no general interest of the space continue to move because the more the space moves, the least you know, more advanced into uh, accountability for uh, entities that are very powerful. So there's yeah. no incentive on the space moving. The space is also very uh, uh, populated by young people from the beginning, and one thing that I think is important by women, mm. and women get out of the space, of every professional space, at some point in their lives, and they then uh, go back partially with less, uh, uh, you know, a space to uh, have a voice, etc. And I think that we might have lost a lot of expertise through this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if anything, having this conversation is making me think that we should really decide where we want to sit on this issue, like as a podcast, like, are we going to go on the heart on the harder side? And so it is very clearly a perspective. We're seeking those that actually, you know, sort of agree in that perspective, but are critical as to how we get there, you know, or, you know, are we actually going for the medium targets? You know, it's 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 people who want to do it in a medium way in a in very collaborative way and bring the right people way. on board way you know and you know where we have and 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 I've I've always believed that actually all of the ways can contribute to a really valuable outcome and results but we are just we're just you know not not just the university of Granville, we're the podcast so you know there's such a spectrum of how we can engage with this subject matter you know where are we going to you know, should we just be clear on where we're coming in at and not be afraid of it? And then basically are seeking out people, you know, that basically are still, they demonstrate an issue that falls along, along those lines. Um, and we are critical as to, well, why haven't we received, you know, got as much change as we want, you know, along those lines. I mean, this is what you both have just talked about. This is exactly the reason why I can say that some of the people I talk to, and I've actively talk to a lot of people just for exactly the same reason that I want to know I want to hear all the time what different people are thinking and how we can connect to each other so I can 
on their behalf at some level say I'm sure they're going to disagree uh, everyone does I disagree with myself after two oh, days yeah. <laughs> but but at, I, agree. At, I disagree in the same day yeah, exactly <laughs> but but at some some level they love this kind of complexity and they don't have they don't mind such a nuance at times what, what we just like kind of talked about right now so it is brilliant and that kind of space what this kind of conversation has or has a potential to provide it is fantastic and definitely of course we we i think we can engage yeah. with young younger generation people from i mean that's the whole point of our podcast is to not limit anything towards yeah. Yeah. you know like some arbitrary situations or or uh, what yeah, do you call it like variables yeah i think one thing that we learned from this season and the three of us agreed is that we've had some very interesting people but some very western voices we have heard each other and many of the ones um that have come have been able to you know tell us another perspectives and all that but we in a way we were very aware of that work because it's the work that we do i think we need to open it up to people whose work we don't know, whose perspective we don't know. And uh, and in season two, we really need to be listening to the voices of the people on the ground, the people that are doing this work day in, day out. And also, they also shape international policy and international legal developments, but they shape lives in a way in the everyday. This is why, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because I, uh, yeah, so, so of course, and, and Meghna is Indian, so I don't know if she'd agree with being Western, but like, I think that definitely the commonality is that everyone is policy, legal policy, um, legal policy orientated. Yeah. Legal, law or policy or uh, academic. But Meghna, um, she practices in in the West. So she's not Western. She practices in London. Her her yeah, true, true, defense true. of human rights, her yeah. protection of human rights is, is London-based. But her perspective is Southern. But I, I don't yes. think that's the point. I think yeah. for me, I agree with you, Olga, that like it's the ones, perhaps we need, it's, it's the non-policy people. It's the people who are, as you said, engaged with these issues on the ground. You know, they're the, they're the ones who are, you know, really dealing with it in a more of an operational way or basically responding supporting communities like doing more this type of work in this space um because i think that generally i agree i feel like we're not very good as a, as a movement and basically engaging coherently you know with with groups like this yeah and uh, maybe maybe a, a a sneaky preview of season two it's uh, that we've. Uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to focus yeah. on people who are actually working mm-hmm. on the ground, and um, it, it was very interesting in our uh, first episode of season two. Uh, we had Mackind uh, was uh, based in Sierra Leone, and one of the interesting things to hear from him was uh, actually how happy he was with the way the government had responded to COVID. Here we are <laughs> having this kind of like. A ridiculous uh, Western superiority kind of preaching about how uh, to protect your citizens when we are letting our citizens die of uh, health or of uh, uh, lack of opportunities or lack of uh, access to uh, social and economic uh, uh, viability. And there's someone based in Sierra Leone 
telling us yeah. how they feel safe. So, you know, it's very interesting to have that complete different perspective, Yeah. yeah. for and example. It, yeah, and as you've, like, highlighted, maybe the COVID thing, this is one of the positives of, of COVID. It's taught us that actually we can reach out to groups that are in places like Sierra Leone or wherever, Hong Kong, like places because we are now doing it online, you know, rather than showing up physically in person and, and interviewing, which is an access point, you know, but perhaps now it's forcing us to reconsider who we can access, which is, which is, uh, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, this is another thing. I don't know. I don't know how listeners um, react to in-person interview, you know, like there has to be some interpersonal yeah. feelings, which when you hear there's a, di but I mean, it's better to do it rather than to not do it. So, you yeah. know, even though if we get an audio track, which is now on, on digital, where we lose a lot of quality, it is better to listen to the music than to not at all listen to it. So yeah. it's just, it's just a, like, it's the practicality of it, unfortunately. Yeah. Of course we can get, if we can get someone live and they are here, for sure, it would be ideal. But yeah. yeah, if we are, you know, if someone is really spending their life trying to, probably they're not like living in London most of the time. So, so yeah, so we're just gonna get them into the war zone. I don't know. I'm thinking like full on epic, you know, <laughs> human rights. Putting a, a microphone in the in a refugee camp zone. in Syria. Exactly. I, I think it'd be great if when Olga gets a position on a panel to basically talk about the podcast. Ooh. Yes, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. actually talk about the podcast as much as I can in every yeah, single uh, space that I have because, um, yeah, because I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting kind of work that we're doing here. It's not just for us, I love discussing with you guys, but I think uh, we have something to offer, especially yeah. our guests. They are the ones that have yeah. things to offer. I mean, I, when I compare it to your other podcasts, the, the female uh, professor, professoriate. The female professoriate. <laughs> female I know, I've got a really difficult title that nobody but can it's, You know, what I like that podcast, what's, what's really nice, and there are many things I do like about it, but the, the target audience is very clear and, you're, and who you invite is very clear because there are certain criteria for the, for the individual, a female professor, you know, and you basically have a conversation about sort of their career and challenges they face. And, and there's something that's very easy to, I mean, that's, that really relates to a particular audience, right? And that really has attraction. I think that's a challenge with this particular issue that we're dealing with, with the corporate accountability. There's so many cross dimensions. And I think because it's not so, you can't so clearly identify who is my target, uh, who's really going to be interested in this, that that yeah. creates a bit, an extra challenge. I mean, so I like the challenge and I think that, it reflects the challenge of this work, getting it to resonate, getting people to like yeah. take an action on it, getting people to be like, yeah, you know, these are the things we need to do. Yeah, I think we can also get, give it, I just can't, uh, just thought about it. It would be very interesting also to discuss mm -hmm. about why is it even at first place we care about rights of homo sapiens or humans <laughs> You know, and the distinction between humans and homo sapiens, it could actually somehow, as you're saying, you know, broaden some sort of uh, some of our audiences to like, I don't know if someone is more interested in evolution, evolution, history, 
I don't know that that could so we can actually do one podcast somehow like on that how, the, how does season. one become interested in the rights of others is how exactly. the how we empathic he, exactly beings. yeah yeah yeah, I'm working on a philosopher, right? <laughs> yeah, or or we could get and bring in a corporate lawyer to talk about yeah the the uh, history of the the company. I mean, the companies are originally set up as as immoral. Um, you know, to benefit society, right? With yeah. with a clear moral benefit, you know, yeah. to provide employment, you know, provide services to the community. But yet now we have multinationals that have developed and you know holding companies you know, institutional shareholders themselves. Like it's a completely, it's no, what is the, what is the purpose? I, I, I <laughs> want to go like life. pre, pre-agriculture. He wants to go yeah, homo yeah, sapien. Yeah, yeah, homo sapien. I want to understand the dif- distinction between homo sapien, homo deus. There are seven different types of humans, which doesn't exist anymore because homo sapiens like extinguish them. Yeah. Not that, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not like a guilty trip at all. They do exist now in us, in our DNA and all that. And it's it's a, it's a complicated thing. I'm I'm just doing like a joke thing that because I'm just standing here and I have a mic and no one else is there. <laughs> so like, but the company did what? I was like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it would be interesting. The so, homo corporate. Homo corporate. <laughs> the corporate. The association sure. of Homo sapiens. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we are Homo sapiens any any longer after the agriculture. No, homo globalis or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Okay, we have like now 10 minutes left. Probably we should do like, I had this question about like, does the, what do you guys think all all the people who are in this field Mm -hmm. uh, or you have listened to people in the field or on the other side who are like defending that on these legislation should not be approved? Like, what is the dynamic of the concept of evil? Like how people... Uh, cons- like what do you think that the evil exists on the personal level and if it does then of course you know the motivations are changed but I think this is a longer question should we should if, we do we this we can't answer say names right oh what like company corporate names like to give examples we can't say names of companies. oh you mean like <laughs> Like who, which corporation example. is evil? I, I, I mean, is evil? Can we get a liability for evil for calling some corporation evil? They're not and supposed. If we to... describe the facts fully, it'll be clear anyway. So, right? so, so your answer suggests that risk. you would you would believe that the evil does exist. And I, it's... Yeah, I personally think evil exists in individuals, and it just gets totally multiplied. In, in collective settings. And what is a corporation? It's a collective setting that actually kind of the voids the, the individual responsibility over their own decisions because <laughs> it, it makes them abstract and dehumanizes the decision. Therefore, it allows us to multiply our inner evilness. Uh, I definitely, well, does evil exist? Uh, yeah, I think, it, I mean, within the corporate uh, uh, structure or the corporate entity. I mean, yeah, of course, I think evil does exist. But what, you know, how I even feel about it, which is obvious, is that we can't even see, feel free to say names of companies yeah. because of the fear of being sued. Like, it really shows even from a freedom of speech and actually the ability to proactively engage, you know, if we want to actually say names. So to be really careful, you know, really careful because of the way the libel laws are and the defamation laws, particularly in the UK, but other countries, um, you know, as to how it's termed. So, yeah, 
You know, yeah. it's just it's I think at every corner, if you you know, they're trying to shut down the voices that actually expose the problems. And that's evil. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so I, this is perfect segue to my three things which I thought that pff, helped me so much with this podcast. One is understanding of the power of legislation truly and how the companies itself are, again, like are meant to be partners, uh, organisms, or as you say, like become these abstract entities. But through certain complex processes, uh, sometimes like even a lot of individuals in the company are not even aware that like what is going on. And sometimes I meet with these people and they are like trying to help. But there's been many different aspects of that company, which is so big for yeah. one human or even like a team to really understand what's going on. But overall, like it's either depleting things or it's just becoming that abstract phenomena and how to actually not like think that, oh, let's just tore down everything and go back to a place where there isn't any market at all, which I understand there is a lot of push for that too. But to actually work with this kind of complex phenomena and have legislation which allows so much, I would say, so much more alleviation of misery in the society, fantastic. Last point, this also cures a lot of, um, which you talked about, like a personal responsibility vortex issues. I think it's like we can shoot ourselves to death to get us, like if we get into that ideological issue of uh, self-guilt and per personal responsibility vortex of getting one piece of fruit or we talked about the ethical strawberry you wouldn't like it's just there's always something which you could have done better although of course uh, at some point it becomes like completely impractical like you just become decapacitated to be uh, to be honest like not really functional so Give yourself like a lot of uh, education around what could you do, perfect, and then the the conversations we have and and that actually I think that gives a perspective to the people who are working on the field, people like who are working as lawyer, people like you know Seema and you guys who actually are working in the field. It 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 actually values it makes the work so valuable because it actually could change something which we want to shoot ourselves for because we are so empathetic but we don't find any solution and this just you can put every responsibility on yourself and then you can just be nothing at that point and i think these two three things i thought personally like for me are so like relieving i love it that 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 aspect of it that's very good it's actually very positive that um, you know, to to get something positive out of uh, this sense of sometimes helplessness or or powerless uh, uh, to change uh, the world. You know, it's like you're not changing the world; you're changing, you know, your um, immediate setting and what you can do. And for that, you may choose to work for the rights of others. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I think that I mean, for me as a consumer, 
Like when you were speaking, uh, Raza, you know, I was thinking of, I mean, actually, as consumers, I mean, that's why the law could help us, right? Because if we essentially, um, you know, if I am wearing this shirt, you know, I'm totally against forced labor. I'm totally against child labor. I have no idea whether it's gone into the making of this shirt, you know, but if there was a law that actually could actually hold companies accountable, you know, for these types of abuses going into their operations you know, um, broadly in their supply chains, then as a, as a consumer, you ultimately could, can have more faith, right? And I think the same thing with our phones, with our computers. There, currently, there is no law, right? So it's lawless. And I think the result of, you know, legislators not working, companies not actually supporting laws, is that actually it's putting more guilt and blame on the consumers, so actually, this is why it's in all of our interest to actually push for this type of sort of stronger legal architect and then as powerful entities that actually hide information or often just half report that, you know, if we get that right, then actually as consumers, we can feel like, yeah, you know, we're not actually contributing to the problem. We're actually part of the solution. Great. No, I totally agree. I think uh, consumer guilt is a distraction. Yeah. And I think, like many other things, it's uh, there uh, to make us continue to make us feel powerless. Yeah, yeah. The the quote from uh, Buddhism is that touch tend to the part of garden which you can touch. And to be able to just do that, it's amazing, especially in this time where everything is just about sucking your capabilities of helping yourself. Um, and uh, such a support system with the people who are working in this field allows a lot of people like us or anyone around uh, who I have talked to, to do this exact thing, which I just said. And I think this is, we don't like, we wouldn't know what change could it bring. And again, I don't think we have to be fixated that what change like my act has causing it's, it's it's like you can do your best and hopefully so many people are doing their best and there's a support system out there and that that yeah hopefully that creates a beautiful positive chain yeah okay so we're looking forward to the second season oh, we're yeah. looking season forward two. to uh um, you know, opening up to our podcast to other voices, but also other ears. So we're really looking forward for more listeners and uh, just um, enjoy continuing our conversations and uh, doing our bit, tending to our part of the garden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, Great. Nice. Thank you very much for listening. It'd be great if you can subscribe, forward, like, we are in all major platforms for podcasting, including Transistor FM, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and uh, in uh, Spotify. And uh, yes, don't forget to tell your friends. And if you want to be in touch with us, write to us at contact at bhre.org. That's bhre for business, human rights, and the environment. We're also on Twitter at uog. BHRE, which stands for University of Greenwich, Business, Human Rights and the Environment. And of course, you can contact us, the three of us, through LinkedIn. Bye-bye. <laughs>